Are you guys ready for God's word? Amen. Yeah. Well, we're, we're preaching or I'm preaching um, on the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about being led by the spirit of the living God. How many of us know that the Holy Spirit is the most incredible gift you could ever receive? And it's your birthright as a Christian. It's your birthright as a Christian. When you are born again, you have the power of the living God. The Bible says that by the spirit of God, he created heavens and the earth. By the spirit of God, he cast out demons. By the spirit of God, he raised the dead. The spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. The Bible says that if you don't have the spirit of God, then you don't belong to Jesus. As a matter of fact, the spirit of God is your down payment, your earnest money. That Jesus will complete what he started. And that is, you will be in eternity with him in heaven. Amen. And so the spirit of God is very, very important. We've talked about the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of life. Today, I want to talk to you about the spirit of power. And all of this under the context of walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul said to the Galatian church, if you live by the spirit... Let us also walk by the Spirit. So he's painting a picture that our Christian faith is actually a faith walk. It's a faith walk. Because think about this. We said this last week. That faith is more than just talk. See, faith, it's an abstract thing. But it shows up in the way we live. And so it's a... It's a behavior loop, so to speak. You believe, therefore you act. And because you act, you believe more. And because you believe more, you act more. And you walk towards the cross. You walk towards heaven. And so this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, but pastor, how do we do that? How do we walk in this amazing power of the Spirit? It seems difficult. And I've tried to read books on it, and it seems like you need a theological degree just to understand what it is to walk in the Spirit. Last week, we laid a foundation. We said there's two simple things that we need to know about the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. It's the gifts and the fruit. Gifts and fruit. And notice, even Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. So anybody can talk about faith, but your fruit shows your faith. Amen? And so Jesus says... You don't have to judge a person's heart. As a matter of fact, only God can judge a person's heart. But you can be a good fruit inspector. You can go into HEB and really look at that fruit and say, hmm, do I like it or not? You know, that, that's, how we, that's how we know if someone is walking in the spirit by their fruit. And you say, but, but pastor, the, the fruit requires maturity. What's the difference between the fruit and the gifts? Well, very simply put, the gifts are given to you the day you're graced. The day you're graced, you have these, this amazing gift. As a matter of fact, the reason we think that is because the Spirit, when he's writing through the Apostle Paul, never makes a distinction. Never says, you receive salvation, which is the charisma, and then later you receive the gifts, which is also the charisma. No! The charisma is received, the charismata is received when? The day you receive the Holy Spirit. But why don't I have my gifts fully operational? Because this is how you discover your gifts. Everyone look at me. 
Okay, let me, let me do it again. I wore a long sleeve shirt just for this purpose. I have to wear my lightest shirt because it's hot out there. So look, what, what am I doing, David? What does this mean? Is this the universal sign for what? Get to work. Get ready. Get involved. The way you discover your gifts is you roll up your sleeves. Where do I start? Doesn't really matter. Jump in. Jump in and get to work. But, but pastor, you don't understand. See, I'm very particular and I'm kind of cerebral and I want to know where and I want to be more. Listen, that's the problem. The Holy Spirit is saying, I Dios mio, when are we going to learn? I keep having to, you know, the, the, the truth is sometimes we want to lead the spirit instead of having the spirit lead us. Uh Oh, let me say that again. Sometimes we want to lead the spirit instead of having the spirit lead us. Isn't that what Christianity is all about? Saying, where do you need me, Father? Where do you need me, Spirit? Where do you need me? See, and this is the thing. When you get to work, then you'll start to see his supernatural abilities manifest within you. And you'll go, whoa, that's not me. And the Spirit's saying, that's exactly what I've been trying to show you. That it's going to go beyond you exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream because I'm good like that. I'm big like that. I'm strong like that. I'm, that's who I am. And I want to introduce you to other qualities of mine. That's what the Spirit is saying. So number one, fruit, you serve. Oh, excuse me, gifts, you serve. Now fruit requires maturity. Think about it this way. You plant a little apple tree, it's going to take a while before it becomes mature enough to start producing fruit. So how do I get to maturity? You said the gifts, I roll up my sleeves and I get in. The fruit, you disciple. And that's why I want everyone to get plugged into discipleship. Discipleship is learning God's word. Coming to maturity. Planting roots and letting them go deep deep by the stream of life, which is Jesus Christ. And you will bear your fruit in season. And even when it's hot, your leaves will not wither. You will grow and be prosperous in discipleship. So I'm going to ask you to get plugged in discipleship, especially my men. Men, Tuesday nights, we're doing discipleship. If you haven't signed up yet, I need you. We're looking for a few good men. Amen. Our church is all about discipleship. It's not just about Sunday morning. You can tell how, how popular a church is by who, who comes to Sunday morning. You can tell how popular God is by who shows up to discipleship. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> somebody said, oh, isn't that true? You know, ladies, discipleship, Wednesday night, amen? Do you realize our ladies love the word of God? Guys, they are, they are beating us in enrollment. So I'm just, I'm just saying, we gotta, we gotta get, get with it. Now, today I want to talk to you about rejecting and receiving. See, the walk in Christ, the walk in the Spirit is receiving certain things and rejecting other things. It means that we walk by freedom, we walk free of fear instead of being dominated by fear. And you're going to see this in the passage that I've chosen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And here the Apostle Paul is writing, some have said his last will and testament. What does it mean to have a last will and testament? It means you're about to die. 
The Apostle Paul knows he more than likely will not leave Rome in the prison that he finds himself in. And he's writing to Timothy, an adopted son. What do I mean by an adopted son? He is a spiritual father to Timothy. He's a spiritual father. And so here you have the Apostle Paul writing to someone he's very familiar with, but doesn't want to create the trap of familiarity. What do we mean by the trap of familiarity? Sometimes you think, oh, well, that's just Pastor Chris. That's just my buddy. Or that's just dad. But does, do they have the, the authority to still speak into your life? Because the Apostle Paul has become a good friend and a father figure to Tim, but now he's showing and wanting Tim to listen. This is something very serious that I want to share with you. And you can tell because he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And Tim is going, wow, that's kind of formal. Why does Paul start that way? Because he's not just wanting Tim to listen and remind him of his apostolic authority and position that Christ put him in. He didn't choose it himself. Christ put him there. But he's also wanting us to remember that he's not just Uncle Paul. He's the apostle of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. By the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace. You know what he's saying? Love and peace. I'm going to ground this letter in love and peace. He said, no, no. He said grace and mercy. Grace is one side of the same coin and peace. I mean, excuse me. And mercy is the other side. So you have grace and mercy that make up love. Let me show you how. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. What do we deserve? For the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. That's what the Bible says. So watch. Mercy is not giving me what I deserve. But it's a far different thing to give me a reward. So you don't sentence me to death, but you give me heaven? Mercy is not giving me what I deserve. Grace is giving me what I don't deserve. You see how awesome God is? You deserve hell. My mercy keeps you from it. My grace gives you something greater. Heaven. So he's saying, I'm going to ground this in love and peace. And ultimately, it's something special to walk in God's peace. Now watch this. Verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. Now I want you to highlight the word forefathers. I should have done this for you, but some people say they can't see when I start messing with the text like that. Because the, the, the font or the, the different shades, some people don't pick it up as well. So, forefathers, I want you to consider that because he's going to hearken back to Timothy's legacy in a minute. Watch this. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see you, Tim, being mindful of your tears. I know it's been hard for you. I know you're a passionate young man and you've even cried for the church and it's been difficult times. Do you realize that he's going through a very difficult time, Timothy is, as is Paul. The heat by Satan has been turned up on the church. By this time, their uh, persecution is in full bloom. Nero, the evil king and emperor of the time, is killing Christians. If you don't agree with him, he puts you to death. 
They're, they're experiencing a severe cancel culture. See, here today, if you don't agree, we just cancel you. There, they canceled you at a whole nother level. Is it, you go, are we headed there? I, I know Jesus says, don't be surprised if they killed me and hated me. They'll probably hate you and try to kill you too. You say, pastor, I thought you were going to encourage me today. Hang in there. That's coming. That's coming. Okay, stay with me. And then let's drop down to verse five. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. What is Paul doing? He's hearkening to something bigger. He's saying, look, I'm going to ground this in love and peace. And now I want to remind you of the faith that is in you. Can I tell you, church, that's, this is not just for Tim. It's for us. It's saying whenever you find yourself living in a hard time, whenever you find the pressure of the world coming against you, whenever you find yourself having trouble standing, stand firm again by remembering the faith that I put in you. God is saying, your faith is not even your own. It was me by the power of my Holy Spirit that sparked faith in you. And the faith I put in you will not falter if you stir it up again. Watch this. He says, that was in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is also in you. He's saying, I want you to remember your grandma and your mama and how they were faithful. And that same faith that was in your mama and your grandma. Come on. Can anyone remember someone in their past that was faithful and inspires you even today? But you've got to remember because you can you can reject and receive what you want. And sometimes we receive the bad and we reject the good. What do I mean by that? Sometimes, come on, any of us ever, every, any of us ever been out on a date and everything's going good until you start remembering something bad? Oh, you can always tell, at least me, I can always tell when my wife starts remembering something bad or I do something that reminds her of something bad. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to go bad. I better, I better remind her of the good. Remember that time, baby, I brought you flowers. Remember how, you don't want to think too far back though, guys. You want to be able to say, just the other day, just two days ago, just today, you remember? Because we can remember bad things and it immediately transports us back. And here Paul is saying, I think you've been concentrating on all the negative happening around you. I need you to remember the faith that was in you the day I laid my hands on you, the day you received your call, the day you received the Lord. And how your parents and how your grandmother and how those people in the faith, these fathers of the faith, how they were there for you. Just the other day I had Thomas meet me outside and Thomas comes up and he says to me, he says, man, Pastor Chris, I'm so excited for um, encounter. It was on Wednesday night. I said, really, Thomas? I didn't picture you as a worshiper. He goes, no, I'm excited. See, I've been taking my little boys all over Central Texas and, and they're involved in select baseball and they're doing real good. But, but I want my sons to live different. I don't want them to live like the rest of the little guys. I want them to be different. I want there to be a a, a real sincere change in their hearts where they're leaders of leaders based on God's word. I'm like, what in the world? Praise God. And this is what he says to me. He says, I've learned a lot here, but I can recall in here lately, I've been remembering brother Bruce Turner. 
Brother Bruce Turner has gone to be with the Lord. He said, he really used to take time and, and, and encourage me with God's word and talk to me about the privilege of being a father. And how I'm not raising ball players, I'm raising, I'm raising disciples. And then I thought to myself, wow, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, remember those women of faith. Can I hear an amen for the women of faith, for the men of faith, for the people of faith in our lives? Amen. And this is what he says. The day you received the charismata, the day you received the Holy Spirit, the gift of God at your salvation, and then I ordained you to preach the gospel by placing hands on you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's hearkening to the, to the Holy Trinity. Now I've read a lot of, of, uh, of, theological commentary on this and they can't seem to agree that 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 the spirit he's talking about is actually the holy spirit as opposed to the negative spirit of a demonic force and that's why they don't know if it means like god did not give you the spirit of that of this world but the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. It could be an attitude instead of the spirit. The attitude is produced by the spirit. I'm like, guys, you're making it too complicated. Can I tell you it comes from above? And Paul is saying, you didn't get that spirit. You've got this spirit. And this spirit produces power, love, sound mind. Watch this. Spirit, son, father. Because the spirit is power. He introduces us to the love of the Father and the Father gives us the wisdom from on high to know how to use the power and the love that comes from the others. This is a holy trinity that Paul is saying and and, and he's saying, don't be ashamed. In fact, what Paul is saying is this. He's saying, Tim, I know and maybe it's found in the text. Now I'm going to read a little bit into the text. You can make your own decision, but it's interesting how he doesn't list men in Timmy's life. He lists grandmother and mother. And maybe his, his, his father was absent. Fathers, don't be absent. Because a son, especially a daughter, especially, he goes, well, there's anything else? No, there's not. That means both your children need you and your influence because a father grounds his children in security. You think you always have to be nice to them? No. When you rebuke them, when you correct them, when you chastise them, isn't that what Paul says? God's word is good for what? Correction, rebuke, for learning, for every single thing. And a father can do that, but also you build them and say, that's not who you are. We're going to reject that. This is what you receive. You are the son of God. You are my son. You are a man of integrity. You are a man of truth. You do not waver. You do not get frightened. Come on now. This is what a father does. But Paul is saying, look, Tim, maybe it's because you didn't have a father, but you struggle with being timid. In fact, the word there is delilia, which literally means in the Greek, cowardice. You have the tendency to shrink back. Come on. Can I tell you, when times get tough, anyone can shrink back. When you get tired, Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Do you realize that Elijah shrunk back? Elijah. 
when he was exhausted. Moses shrunk back when he was exhausted. Jonah shrunk back when he was exhausted. How do I keep from being exhausted then, pastor? You walk in the spirit, not your own strength. You walk in the spirit, not your own strength. It reminds me of a pastor who once saw a a water well and a man was pumping at this water well and he was walking at a distance. He could see this man pumping at this water well and pumping at this water well would not slow down one fraction. So much so that he grabbed his attention, Dale, and as he walked closer to look, he said, wait a minute, something's going on with this man. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't get tired. How in the world? And he's pumping at this old well, just, you know, the kind you had to pump by hand. And as he got closer, he realized that it wasn't a man. It was a metal figure with a hand. And, a, and it looked like a man. Someone had carved it out of metal, put it, put it, welded its hand to the pump, and had a, a, a joint mechanism where the hand would just move with the pump. The pump was, was actually, listen to me, powering the man. The man wasn't powering the pump. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? When you have the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the rivers of life, Jesus said, I will put rivers of life in you and you will never thirst again. Then you won't get tired. Why? Because it's not you powering Jesus. It's Jesus' spirit powering you. This is what we're talking about. And this is what Paul is really emphasizing to Tim. As a matter of fact, he uses the word ashamed. He keeps encouraging Timmy. Don't be fearful. Don't be ashamed. He says, don't be ashamed at least five times. If you talk about the word fear, it would be five times. Right up here, you'll see him. 2 Timothy 1.8, 2 Timothy 1.12, 2 Timothy 1.16, 2 Timothy 2.15. For God has not given us... It's almost as if he's delivering this really strong message and, and Paul is, is kind of using the pronoun us because he doesn't want Timmy to feel like he's singling him out. But we should all take this personal and say, God did not give me the spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear is a nasty, dangerous spirit, guys. Nasty, dangerous spirit. And so the first point that I want you to concentrate on is you have to stir up the right spirit. You have to stir up that feeling of faith. That means you've got to remember the legacy. You've got to remember what God has done in your life. You've got to remember what God did the day he saved you. You have to remember those times when you've prayed and God has answered. And God will never leave you. And God will never forsake you. And you remember God's word over your life. And that's what it's called to stir up faith. Stir it up. Number two, we got to receive the spirit and reject the spirit of, of fear. See, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 15, the Bible says this. Well, I'm going to read 14 and 15 so we get the full context. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Notice what he said. The spirit of God that you receive does not make you live in fear again. That means that's the way we used to live. Do you realize that when we were born into sin, before we became Christians, we had a spirit of rejection and fear. 
because we were condemned already. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that God's love drives out all fear, right? Because fear has to do with condemnation and punishment. This is where we used to be. God's love comes in, drives that out, and we live under freedom, not under slavery and sin. Think about what I just said. So what what Paul is telling Timothy, don't go back. We were born with a chip on our shoulder, but God knocked it off. He said, you're my son. You're my daughter. Watch this. Watch this. The spirit of fear and rejection produces all sorts of negative things like anger. Now I'm going to list 10 things and I only have like 10 minutes to preach. So I'm not going to cover all of them in its in their entirety. I'm just going to kind of highlight some things. When we fear fear and rejection, we operate out of anger. Anybody ever operate out of anger? I know I did. In the past, I used to operate out of anger. I used to fight at the drop of a hat. And I thought it was all about respect. No, I felt feeling rejected. That's what I felt. You know, it's interesting because I brought that same attitude into my marriage. And I used to explain it with God's word. Well, you're disrespecting me. And according to Paul's writing to wives and, and, and husbands, the number one thing a wife should never do is disrespect her husband. Submit. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I mean, I said submit. Never realizing that the verse right above that says submit to each other. That I'm called to be Jesus to my wife. And I was so worried about being disrespected and reacting in anger, not remembering that Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So now I say, forgive her, Father, for she knows... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come on, we live while you're getting me in trouble. Let's go. Come on, it, anger. That's the way you used to be. You don't operate under a spirit of fear. Can I get an amen from someone? How about insecurity? Insecurity, when you feel insecure and you feel less than, you're always trying to prove yourself. When you feel small, you're always trying to prove yourself. Some people say that's an inferiority complex. And you want to compete against people and you want to put them down. You want to show how smart you are. You want to show how big you are and how tough you are and how, how much you know. But instead, God says, that's not who you are anymore. I've healed that. How about pride? Pride. Don't they know who they're talking to? How dare? Let me show what I am, who I am and how much independence that's a that's a nice way of saying just plain old rebellious you know what i mean i'm independent no you're rebellious right and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft loneliness loneliness when you're depressed and you're fearful and you want nothing to do with anyone because the enemy is isolating you do you remember the video I showed on Mother's Day that you still won't let me forget. <laughs> where that little wildebeest got devoured by the lions. But first the lions had to what? Separate it. Separate it. I'm sorry, moms. I didn't realize what I was doing. Manipulation and control. Come on, manipulation and control. 
Do you realize when we're fearful and we have this spirit of rejection, that's what we were born into. But God set us free from that. Then we feel we have to manipulate. We have to, and you can always tell the spirit of manipulation. It takes different forms, but they want to control ultimately. They want people to do what they want them to do. You know, and, and so you have to be careful with that. Sometimes it comes in the form of flattery. Sometimes it comes in the form of tears, crocodile tears. I remind, reminds me of the, my, my kids. They've all tried it when they were little. They start crying, you know, they want to break daddy's heart. And as soon as you give them a piece of candy, they're fine. It's amazing how, how candy can solve a world's problems, right? Or they Coke like to, would like you to think it's a Coca-Cola, but. Either way, you got to be careful with the spirit of manipulation because ultimately it's trying to control your surroundings. Why? Because you feel insecure and God says, let me set you free from that. How about defensive? Will you pick a fight because you're always on the defensive feeling like somebody's attacking you? Unforgiving. And this is where the enemy really, really shines. He comes in and he goes, can you believe she said that to you again? Can you believe he did that again? No, 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 no. You've forgiven, but this time you don't need to forget. Put this down. Can I tell you, they're never going to change. Please don't look at each other now. (laughs) You're like, right? And we're like, you know, and, and, and the enemy comes in and he, he masquerades. The Bible says, go, go, go to this verse with me in Second Corinthians 11, skip over numbers. I'm going to skip numbers altogether. For such are the false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Now watch this. And no wonder, no wonder his servants do that. Why? Because Satan, their father, himself transforms himself into an angel of light. One version says he masquerades. He portrays himself. So he'll portray himself as the Holy Spirit coming to comfort you. Put his arm around you and say, oh, here, here, there, there. I got you. See, what you need to do is you need to harden your heart more. What you need to do is put up a wall. What you need to do is, and I'm not talking politically, putting up walls. (laughs) Too early, too soon, I'm sorry. You know, here, there, there. Come on. Come on. Get that, get that resentment down in there. It'll help you. He's masquerading. He's lying. He's the father of lies. Amen? That's not the spirit you received. You didn't receive the spirit of fear. So, what am I saying, guys? I'm saying very, very clearly. Stop. Stop. And consider what we receive. We receive power. Power to do what? Power to defeat that liar. Power to overcome that liar. Power to walk in faith. Power to be filled with truth. And to have peace settle our souls. So that the world knows there's something different. There's something different about you. Everything's going crazy. And there's a storm in this world. But yet you walk on top of the storm. No, 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 you don't realize that it's the power of my Savior walking. I'm just holding his hand. He's conquering the storm. He's given me the power to walk on the waves. Was it Jesus' power or Peter's? 
It was Jesus's power. Peter had to put his trust and faith in him. And so God is saying, while the storm is going and the waves of life are raging, I want you to walk above them. This is who I've called you to be. I'm going to go for it. Guys, do you know my heart is your pastor? Do you know that I love you? Do you know that it really, really is important to me to preach the gospel in a relevant way? And I see so many times that pastors, they skirt issues. They skirt issues and they would rather gather people than to deal with what is important. And to me, dealing with the critical issues of the times are important. And so I want you to hear my heart. I want you to know that I have the potential in this next couple of minutes to really offend you. To really offend you. As a matter of fact, go back to that list. You might feel one or two or maybe all of these. And what I'm trying to say is this. This is what I'm going to say. Just, just straightforward. Is, is your earthly existence life more important than your eternal existence? What's most important? You say, okay, if you believe eternal existence is most important, raise your hand. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just trying to establish a ground floor by which we can have a conversation. So that's pretty, under, I mean, that's pretty like fundamental, foundational for Christians. But yet, have we noticed how the enemy has created so much fear around the temporal? And, and let's just have a discussion. I am, I am not against or for whether or not you should have a certain injection or not. But it is creating a lot of strife between family, between Americans. Between church, we're called to be what? People of peace and love. Sound mind. So this is the thing. When someone goes to a decision such as that, should they take it just because you said? They have, there's all sorts of things that come into play. Their own convictions, their own, how they feel, their body, what, what they feel they can. And, and ultimately, they're going to go to the counselor, which is the Holy Spirit, and make a personal decision. So let me, let me share something with you. One way or another. One way or another. The, the reason I say this is because it's interesting how so many people are weighing in like heavy on this. But I'm saying, what about saying, hey, you're going to hell? That's a bigger issue. But nobody wants to talk like that because it's like, well, pastor, I don't want to offend. I don't want to push it. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be close. I don't want to. Be, I want to be respectful. Hello. I've seen this on Facebook. You're not. Okay, watch. This is why I'm saying this. The other day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, look outside. I was in here cleaning. I looked out there and there was a young man playing basketball. I said, what would you like me to do? He said, go out there and pray for him. So I went out there and as I've talked to him, he told me he was homeless and having a really hard time. So we gave him some help. 
And we started engaging on how we could direct him to different shelters. And there's a shelter right down the road that we really recommend. And so I started ministering to him and I shared the gospel with him, the gospel message. And I asked him a very important question. Would you like to pray with me to receive Christ? And he said, no, but I would have you pray for me. And you know what I did? I said, how dare you, you knucklehead. And I shook him and I slapped him about and I got my Bible and I beat him down a few times. And then I dropped an elbow and then I, (laughs) and then I said, now are you ready? No, of course not. What do you think? This is evangelism, special forces style. (laughs) No, I got on my knee and I said, man, thank you for letting me pray for you, brother. And I put my hands on him and and I prayed a prayer of blessing. I prayed that the God would, would work out the seeds that were planted and that they would grow up. See, the Bible says, I plant, somebody else waters, but only God can make it grow. And so if God gives us this much freedom to make a choice about eternity, guys, let's be patient and kind with one another, whether they do or don't. I'll give you an example. My mama has Parkinson's. She doesn't admit she has Parkinson's and I love her for it. She's like, I am the righteousness of Christ and I am who I am. And, 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 and so we worry for her. She's learned something. She says, you know what? I used to be a big worrier, but now I realized that it doesn't do me any good to worry. I need to have faith now more than ever. And I know, Chris, that I'm not coming home to see the Lord one minute before he's ready for me. Because some of my relatives are like, mom, you should, mom, you shouldn't, mom, you should. And I'm like, mom, what do you think? She goes, I'm at peace with my God. This life is not the most important thing to me. I, I, if that really bothers you. Why? She's my mama. (laughs) But that really does like, that does something in my heart. Because she's like, quit worrying, Chris, about the temporal. Preach the gospel. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Preach the gospel. Be an ambassador of the truth. Tell the truth. Go out with the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And know you live in a hard culture. You live where there's a lot of tough decisions. The Holy Spirit will guide you. Don't be fighting fights that aren't worth fighting. Come on, share the gospel. 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 Do you hear me? Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. The enemy wants us to be distracted so that we fight with one another and we put each other down and we say, do this and do that. And you know what? I would be so scared to tell somebody you need to do this. And if it goes wrong, no, I don't have to be scared to say, put your faith in Jesus. Why? Because there's a guarantee you can take it to the bank. I know that it's sure and secure, sure and secure. Every other decision, stop fighting with one another. Amen. Amen. Give it to God because all of God's promises are yes and amen. This is what I want to finish with. I'm reading to my kids. 
I'm not reading to them. They're reading to me. But we're going through Proverbs. And every day we cover a proverb. And so on day 10th, this is the proverb we covered. Proverbs 10, 24. The fear of the wicked will come upon him. Now, I'm not saying that we are wicked. We're not because we are saved. But this is what Paul said. Don't go back and live under fear. Because fear brings that fear upon you. That means it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But watch this. But the hope, where's it at? But the hope of the righteous is what? Will be granted to them by God. So our hope should be in the promises of God. And they are ours. Yes and amen. The promises of God. God is for you and not against you. Amen. Amen. That's my hope. Right? His His hope is to bless you. Amen. But the fear can really come against us. This is how I'll finish. How many times have you told a child or your son or your daughter, make sure you don't miss that free throw. Make sure you don't break that dish. Make sure you don't, and you instill fear, and they're at that free throw line going, Oh, I don't want to miss. 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 What are they going to do? I don't want to break the dish. I don't want to break the dish. I don't want to break the dish. I told you. I don't want to. I don't want to slice it. I don't want to slice it. I don't want to slice it. You do worse. You hit it over here. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? This is biblical. When you fear, you bring that upon you. When you hope, God grants you grace. Put your hope in Christ. Come on, can I get an amen? So, pray over these decisions. Whether you do or you don't, make sure it's not out of fear. Make sure it's out of a strong conviction and move forward in love. Amen? This is what God said. Jesus was in the synagogue. He was revealing himself to be God. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty or to set free those who are being oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable gear of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he sat down and he gave it to the attendant. He gave it to the attendant and he sat down. So notice what he said. The spirit of God is upon me. The same spirit that raised him from the dead that was upon him there is in you. So this is my prayer as we minister. My prayer for you is, is there anyone here that needs the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit to drive out this fear that is trying to come upon them? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and we'll pray together. If you just feel fearful, if you just feel like confusion, if you just, that's not of God. Jesus said, the spirit of God is upon me and he's given me the power to set you free, to put an end to that. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I see your hands over here. I see your hands. I see your hands. Can I share something? I'm going to raise my hand because I've been fearful for my mama. And my mama's like, stop worrying about me. 
Anyone else? Father, you see every hand and every heart. Lord, we just humbly come before you in this moment. Lord, these moments are filled with fear and uncertainty. And we ask you, Lord, to be bigger than the moment in our heart. To set us free. To stir up within us by the power of your Holy Spirit that faith. That faith that you, that you watch over. Remind us how you've never left us and you won't start today. Remind us to encourage one another. To minister out of that fruit of the Spirit. God, we do ask to help us walk in peace in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, church. This is possible. This peace and love is possible by the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we know that you willingly gave your body to be broken for us. And your blood was shed and it forgives us of all our sin. We cannot wait to see you in glory. Dear Lord, thank you. I love you, church. Have a great, great week.